Today on the show, our first girlfriends left us for our best friends. And rather than seek therapy, we're just going to hold a grudge against all women forever. <laughs> because we're trained mentats. Yeah. Prime computation, Leo. Yeah. Love is dead, man. I got the same result. <laughs> I got the same result as it turns out. All I feel is pain. All is darkness. There is no hope. <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. Oh, and today on the show, <laughs> we're talking about a mentat, the most <laughs> easily bone-shaken crotchety old man mentat <laughs> we meet in Dune. That's right. Thufir Howat. Our guy. Thufir. Thufir. <laughs> That's right. Look, Thufir Hawat is a core member of the Atreides household. Mm -hmm. And after today's episode, y'all will learn truly how core it is shocking. Yeah. But we actually learned very little about him in the first Dune book or in Denny Villeneuve's movie. It's true. We barely spent... <laughs> much time with him. So today we figured let's honor the greatest Mentat to ever live with his very own deep dive episode. Right. But before we get too far, let's, as always, make shout out Mapes proud. Yes. And take care of our housekeeping. Today's episode contains spoilers for the entirety of the first book, aka Do Never Heard of It, <laughs> the first of the novels and Villeneuve's movie. If you've seen only Villeneuve's movie, Be Warned. The latter half of the episode will include details about literally the final finale, right. <laughs> the final moments. So <laughs> listen with caution. Yes. Probably get through that first book. We've got a book club. We'll guide your precious little hand through the darkness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. That got... They got real deep real fast. I'm, I don't know that I was prepared for sorry. that. Sorry. I've just been computing <laughs> all of this Mentat stuff the last, uh, <laughs> last few days. It hit me. That's right. Well, here's another prime computation for y'all. Sure. The best way to support this show mm -hmm. is to become a patron over at patreon.com slash gomjabar. That monthly support mm -hmm. from our patrons is what allows us to put as much time and effort as we do into making this podcast and we truly cannot thank you all enough. Plus, when you become a patron, you get cool benefits like completely ad-free episodes, bonus clips and bloopers every single week, and an invite to our exclusive Discord server mm -hmm. where you can chat with us and the rest of our geeky Dune community. So head on over to patreon.com slash gomjabar and become a patron today. I made a custom Dune meme the other day and put it on you the uh, it was good the meme it channel. was good thank you <laughs> included I the word beef swelling it was great <laughs> beef swelling what a great word speaking of beef swelling Hello. we need to thank <laughs> our Quisats Hatterack level patrons yes Case Aiken Matthew Good oh fellas listen if you disappeared tomorrow with my girlfriend of years <gasps> scandalous i'd forgive you because you've been so great you've been so wonderful listen you get one you get one i forgive you the one and then if you but hey fucking if you do it again <laughs> yeah only one 
Another great way to support the show <laughs> is to check out gomjabarshop.com. We have merchandise featuring exclusive Dune designs and art. Nothing like some deep cut references that no one is going <laughs> to fucking get. That's right. Except for like two of your friends who also listen to Gomjabar. And it's almost the holidays. Or maybe the holidays have passed, depending on when you're listening to this episode. But hey, great thing about time, always holidays coming up. <laughs> always a chance right. and an excuse to buy someone a tote bag or a sticker. <laughs> That's right. For the Dune fan in your life. Indeed. And finally, we love to hear from you. So if you have a comment, a suggestion, a complaint, yeah. or you want to let us know how much pulp you love in your orange juice, oh. email us. Oh, Gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. I'm personally a zero pulp person. I, I buy the cartons that say most pulp. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. I enjoy chewing my orange juice. Enjoy that image, <laughs> listeners. I am shocked to silence. <laughs> I genuinely did not know this about you, and I'm yeah. going to have to process this. Thank you for listening, folks. That's, that's the end of Gamjabar. <laughs> Abu has. Right. I don't know that I can continue any further. I'm like, I'm left speechless. You know, which is rare for this podcast. What I will point out, though, what I find across the board people who drink orange juice with pulp more accepting of the no pulpers. It's really the no ah, pulpers who are like it's the other way, gatekeeping right. beverages. <laughs> so true. So true. We are like the MAGA hat wearing <laughs> <laughs> population of the orange juice consuming I'm just saying, populace. Uh, yeah, January yeah. 7th, there was a lot of pulp in the aisle. All right. <laughs> all of the no pulp was, was taken. I don't know. It was suspicious. <laughs> Very suspicious. Where were we? Gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Is the <laughs> is the best place to get in touch with us. We love to hear from you, despite that weird, I don't know what orange juice rabbit hole we just went down. But email us and we will get back to you. We promise sometime in the next calendar year is Indeed. our guarantee. With your preferred pulp level. It's true. Yes. Now I have to know yeah. who in our community. We Maybe yeah. we'll, should we just pull Patreon? Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> Off topic, guys. Curious. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about this episode. That's our housekeeping. Yes. The game plan for today. First, we're going to talk about Fufir's early years. Makes a certain sense. What we know about his childhood and his family before entering into Mentat training, basically, before he went to school. Then we'll discuss his joining of House Atreides and the years of his employ under Mentor and Leto, leading up to Dune. And finally, we'll wrap up by exploring the familiar scenes in Dune and everything you didn't know he was doing, <laughs> uh, which is my way of prepping you for how fucking much he was up to. Yeah. It's bonkers. He's, he's responsible for a lot more than you'd think. Totally. Yeah. But before we get into all of that, yeah. let's take a quick break. Mm -hmm. And then when we come back, we will dive into the life of Thufir Hawat. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed your break. Hope you took a sip of orange juice or something. <laughs> Let's talk about Thufir. Let's talk about Thufir's early years. And that begins in the year 10,075 AG. When Thufir was born, to Golani and Alwidi Hawat. And he was born on the planet Lajai. 
<laughs> low guy. Right. Loggy? Right. <laughs> it's whatever Logitech calls itself these days. Is that true? I'm pretty sure Logitech now goes by like L-O-G-I. They just like believers in minimalism and shortened their name. Everyone's doing that. Eventually, we're just going to have 26 brands, one for each letter. It's going to be so dumb. (laughs) Anyway, whatever the planet's called, it is L-O-G-I, Logi. Let's just say Logi. Right. Logi is the third planet of the star Alpha Centauri B, which is a real star. It is. That's just a real star which also has the name Toliman. So if you look up T-O-L-I-M-A-N, star, it's a thing you can just look up. And uh, my nerdy ass was like, (laughs) hey, you can go outside on a clear night. Next time I'm in a place with a great night sky, I'm going to do this. Use a star chart. I feel like there are apps that'll help you find these. But look at uh, Toliman. You can find the star in the sky. That is Thufir's home system. Hey, that's so cool. Very cool. So cool. Now, Thufir was actually the eldest of nine children. (laughs) All right. Alwidi and Golani plus nine, apparently. (laughs) Check it out on uh, A&E. I don't know what channel that show. (laughs) Uh, Cartoon Network? No. Cartoon Network? Uh, (laughs) Wherever that show is, check that out because Thufir, eldest of nine children. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Dune Encyclopedia doesn't tell us much more than that. Yeah. We never really get to know any of his eight siblings or his father, Alwidi. Right. What the Dune Encyclopedia does have to tell us is a lot about his amazing mother, Golani Hawat, Mm. who we are told was actually briefly trained herself as a potential Mentat candidate, which is pretty cool because we so rarely hear about female mentats in the Dune yeah, universe. That's true. I mean, we get questions all the time, or like I see conversations online all the time about if women can be mentats. Yeah. And a few brazen people are like, no, mentats are male only and Benny Gesserit are female only. No, it is rare that we see female mentats, but generally the consensus that I've seen in universe is that many who have the potential to be mentats who are women are just like poached by Benny Benny Chesaret to be basically reverend mothers, right? If you're a young woman and you're really got a lot of potential, the Benny Chesaret are like, what's that? (laughs) A young woman with a lot of fucking potential. Hey, what up? We're the (laughs) Benny Chesaret. Right. That young woman's never seen by their parents again. That's great. (laughs) That's how it goes. It's Mm -hmm. a very aggressive recruiting process. (laughs) It is. It's like the Girl Scouts. Now, luckily, Golani not recruited by the Girl Scouts or the Bene Gesserit, (laughs) and didn't actually end up becoming a Mentat herself. Sure. Instead, what she becomes is clearly Mother of the Year because she recognizes in her eldest son the potential to be a Mentat. And she finds him basically the best educational resources that money can find. Right. She gets him mentored in things like muscle control, in languages, in physical and biological sciences, pretty much anything and everything that she thinks will give him the edge to becoming a mentat and to becoming a useful and effective one. From the Dune Encyclopedia, her goal in all of this was for her son Hawat to be, quote, well-grounded, not only in the fundamentals customarily given a potential mentat, but also in economics, communication, and military strategy, end quote. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. The fact that it looks like she's 
approaching the MinTech curriculum really actively, but then also looking at what are the other things that will really make him stand out yeah, and like really serve him well in his role wherever he might end up employed. Very cool. Very much setting him up for success, right? Yeah, definitely a more holistic approach to Mentat training. Right. Rather than just go hard on the calculations and the logic, she makes sure that her son has the skill set to stand above and beyond the other Mentats in his class. (laughs) He can also knife a man to death and cook a perfect souffle. It's the most incredible thing. I know. Yeah. He Uh, sounds like a catch. He is. (laughs) We'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah. TBD. (laughs) (laughs) TBD. Well, jumping forward a bit. So he's got all this training. Let's take a look at the point in his life when he's given the choice about Mentat training, right? Recall this moment from Dune. So Duke Leto is explaining to Paul the point that happens in every young Mentat's life when they have to make this choice, basically, when they have to opt in to continuing their training. Quote, A day comes, the Duke said, when the potential Mentat must learn what's being done. It may no longer be done to him. The Mentat has to share in the choice of whether to continue or abandon the training. Some can continue. Some are incapable of it. Only the potential Mentat can tell this for sure about himself. End quote. And we know in Dune, Paul is like, I wasn't trained as, oh, I was trained as a Mentat. Right. <laughs> now that I think yeah. about it, 100%. And Paul decided to continue. And, hey, <laughs> spoiler for, I guess, Dune, uh, Thufir did too. <laughs> Thufir <laughs> was like, hell yeah, I'm in. I'm going to continue right. my training shocking us all. (laughs) Right, right. And so with this official buy-in, now that he has committed to the life of a Mentat, Thufir is shipped off to an eminent school for Mentats on Planet X. Hey, that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, I love that little detail. Now, in multiple references to this time in his life, we get a sense that he is a supremely capable student. Yeah. Again, he is well-rounded in many different skill sets thanks to his incredible mother. And so he immediately starts to excel here at the school on X. Right. It's also at this school where we have to pause and talk about two hugely impactful people in his life uh-huh. that he meets. <laughs> this is where it gets juicy. So person number one is a guy named Kolinar, who is one of Thufir's classmates and becomes one of his closest friends, his best friend here at the school. Yeah. Kolinar is apparently witty. He's charming. He's a real easygoing kind of guy. He just sounds like a fun person. Quote, the two young men quickly became inseparable friends. End quote. So the Dune Encyclopedia makes it clear this was a beautiful, blossoming friendship where nothing could possibly go wrong. I heard they started a podcast together. It's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty good. They talked about their favorite, uh, I don't know, book, series? (laughs) (laughs) Well, then (laughs) enter stage left, Anya. Oh, boy. And not the one from Spy Family. Oh, yeah. Anya with two Ys. And buckle up, folks. (laughs) (laughs) These are a series of cliffhanger episodes, for sure. 
in the drama yeah. about Through Fear's Life. So Anya was a daughter to a Bene Gesserit, and uh, her father was an imperial official. So she's she's kind of a noble noble dame. And she was a classmate of Thufir. And by all accounts, a match for Thufir in his scholastic accomplishments. So best trained dude in the in the freaking universe, all A pluses, Anya killing it too. Yeah. Clearly, really a, a class act. And Thufir <laughs> fell hard in love with her. Oh boy. <laughs> he was like she got all A's, not only in class, but also in my heart. Uh. <laughs> and the encyclopedia tells us he fell in love, quote, for the first and last time in his life. Oh, no. And quote, I know. <laughs> That's the, like, narrator at the end of the episode where you go, wait, what? Yeah. What happens next? And then you have to wait a week because all of the streaming services realized that they can get away with that again. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. Oh. What an ominous, yeah. ominous foreshadowing there. True. Yeah. All right. Well, th- let's talk about it. At first, their relationship is hunky-dory. Yeah. Anya returns the affection that Thufir has for her, and we're told that they have a long, loving relationship that lasted for years. Yeah. Now, of course, readers know that we don't meet Anya or even (laughs) hear about her in the Dune novels. Sure. So clearly she's got to leave the picture somehow. Uh And she does. The Dune Encyclopedia (laughs) tells us that she eventually left Thufir and, in fact, left the school and Planet X yeah. With Kolinar. What? Remember him? Right. BFF Kolinar? Best friend? Best friend. Best friend? No. <laughs> Best friend Kolinar, how dare you? And oh love of life, God. Anya. How dare you too? Yeah. A double betrayal against our guy, Thufir. <laughs> Thufir's like, that's it. No more friends. <laughs> no more girls. <laughs> Brutal. Just books and math forever. <laughs> <laughs> What's extra troubling about all of this yeah. and what like honestly kills me a little bit is the Dune Encyclopedia does not explain why they left. Right. It does not explain why Anya and Kolinar would get together and leave Ix together and disappear from Thufir's life like this. We don't have the specifics. We have to fill in the details ourselves. Right. Was it scandalous? Was it political intrigue? Were they running from danger? Was there more than meets the eye here? Was it simply falling out of love and falling in love with someone? We don't know. Right. We don't know the specifics, but we do know that this crushed Thufir. Yeah. Crushed him. (laughs) He apparently stopped taking notes from this part of his life. So whatever diary entries he had probably stopped the day he found out Kolinar and Anya left. (laughs) Sad. Cool. <laughs> Incredibly sad. So there's not a lot of data about this dark time in his life. And he pretty much refused to talk about it later in life as well. But we do get one comment in writing that perhaps suggests what may have happened. Yeah. This is what Thufir wrote. Quote, the female of the species is without doubt <laughs> incapable of fidelity. End quote. <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen this like Twitter thread. Yeah. That's that's definitely a community on Reddit. 
That is brutal. That is brutal. Yeah. So he said that to a friend. He he said that yeah. to a close friend, someone that actually comes up quite a bit in this episode. He's he's acting as our sort of prime source for a lot of these things. This is the Mentat of House Dioscuri. Dioscuri? Dios hmm. Few ways I could say that. Yeah. Dioscuri. That's how I'll say it for now. And his name is Rouse. Mentat Rouse. Close friend of Thufir. It's been Thufir's friend for a lot of his life. According to Rouse, Anya's departure hit Thufir like a ton of bricks. Yeah. He did not take it well. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> he allowed whatever happened with her to twist the amount of love he had for her, this overwhelming, beautiful, vast love that he had for Anya, twisted to become bitter, corrosive hatred, <laughs> which is not a great look. It's not a great look for Thufir. Uh, that's tough. And taking it a step further, because it wasn't just Anya that he held responsible. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. The Dune Encyclopedia, this gets to the joke we made at the beginning of the episode. The Dune Encyclopedia points out this led Thufir to, quote, generate a deep and lifelong mistrust of all women, uh. especially those connected with the Bene Gesserit, end quote. Wow. Oh, I mean, is it juvenile? Yes, absolutely. But it does go quite a ways to explain for a lot of us who, reading the first book, we were like, why is he so fixated on Jessica betraying Duke Leto, right? Like, right, right. he gets that Harkonnen note. He's like, oh, for sure, it's that Benny Gesserit woman <laughs> betraying the man she claims to love, <laughs> you know. and That witch. <laughs> that witch. And everyone's like, Thufir, you're drooling. Why are you so mad? <laughs> well, this is very similar, right? This idea of a Bene Gesserit-affiliated woman betraying the man she loves or claims yeah, to love. Totally. Suddenly, without any kind of warning, very much something he, um, I could see him taking seriously. Also, because as we'll talk about, he becomes deeply, as we know, fanatically loyal to Duke Leto. So, you know, he's like, I've been hurt. I've been scarred, and now my sweet, precious Duke Leto, who I raised, is going to like, <laughs> you know, this is going to happen to him? No, no, no. Yeah. So explains a little bit <laughs> the bad look of him in Dune, just clinging to that mistaken belief. Yeah. It is a tough look. I mean, as you said, he's young, he's heartbroken. This is a juvenile reaction. Yeah. It's not full on incel, but it's incel adjacent. <laughs> yeah. But he has no right to have carried this deep into <laughs> Dune, where he is over 100 years old. Yeah. Decades and decades later. This is why therapy exists, my guy. You got to get over Anya. <laughs> you of course, he to. doesn't. And it, it explains perhaps some of his suspicions around oh. Lady Jessica. And it certainly explains his deep distrust of the Benny Gesserit sisterhood. Yeah, totally. Now, we wanted to share a quick little side note here because back in our Road to Dune episodes, there was this cut chapter that we talked about where Paul asks Thufir a little bit about his history. And revisiting that cut chapter is so much more interesting now that we know about Anya. Right. So here's how that conversation plays out 
And if we can do a little bit of acting again, Leo, oh, do sure. you want to be Thufir and I'll be Paul? <laughs> sure. All righty. Quote, I mean, I don't know real things about you. Like, oh, have you ever been married? I've had women. <laughs> and children? Mm, like is not. <laughs> end quote and end scene. <laughs> and also, hello. Hello. <laughs> okay, Thufir. Like as not? You're saying you got kids probably, maybe? <laughs> Out there somewhere? <laughs> I joked about this in that episode, but it just bears repeating. This is the best Mentat in the universe. And he's <laughs> Paul's like, do you have children? And he's like, Mentat computation. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I can't guarantee I don't. That's hilarious. Yeah. Of course, this is a cut chapter, but in my mind... This confirms that Thufir fucks. Yep. But my guy never again caught feelings after Anya. That's true. It's all purely <laughs> mechanical. It's all lizard brain fucking. None of it is lovemaking for Thufir. Keep that in mind, folks. I'm really glad you painted such a clear picture of his sexual <laughs> kind of attitude. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on from that hilarious aside. Let's talk about Thufir joining House Atreides. Yes. Let's talk about this union of this incredible Mentat and a major house of the Imperium. And this is a big change in his life. This is in the year 10,110 AG. So we're still 80 years away from Dune. And Thufir is 35 years old at this point. The Dune Encyclopedia points out, at this point in his life, he is, quote, the most superbly trained Mentat in the Holy Imperium, shit. end quote. Wow. Which is nuts. If there's a ranking board of training, yeah. Thufir's number one. Incredible. Damn. And with some grand plans for his house, House Atreides, Duke Mentor Atreides, the father of Duke Leto and grandfather of Paul, basically brought him on board. Was like, you know what? Yeah, you. Hey, most superbly trained Mentat in the Imperium. Nice. Join our house, and I've got a simple order for you. Help House Atreides expand. We're trying to grow our house. We're trying to develop our planet. We need your help, Thufir Hawat. Yes, that's right. And folks, yeah, help he did. <laughs> Above and beyond would be an understatement for what Thufir does. Yeah. For House of Trades. This is crazy. <laughs> this is absolutely wild. As a refresher, like we talked about in our House of Trades episode, the Trades have had Planet Kaladin for 20 generations. And at this point, we're struggling to get the most out of the planet. Right. That's what Duke Mentor is asking Thufir to do. Right. And that is the least Thufir does. Yeah. Just to list off a couple of things that Dune Encyclopedia talks about that Thufir absolutely crushes. After surveying the Atreides lands, Hawat <laughs> directs the construction of dams and irrigation systems. Cool. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm already a fan. Play, I've done that in like SimCity. Yeah, totally. Right. Exactly. If you've ever played any of those Sim games or Civilization <laughs> games, you know yeah. how critical that is. Uh-huh. He then goes further and he improves the planet's communication and transportation systems, okay, nice. which you can imagine means no supply chain issues ever, 
those packages arrive in two days or less, folks. That's the Thufir guarantee. Free two-day shipping from every <laughs> company forever. Exactly. Forever. <laughs> Communication, transportation, upgraded. Everybody's on iMessage. <laughs> <laughs> no That's a bold green <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> okay, yeah, honestly, no I, I stand by that. Actually, you know what? Meet in the common ground. WhatsApp is fucking awesome. Everyone's on WhatsApp. There you go. There, there you go. You go. <laughs> Next up, Thufir founded schools. Yeah. And to staff these schools, he scoured the entire Imperium for experts in fields like agriculture, viticulture, animal husbandry, and mining. Yeah. To come to his schools and to teach the next generation that would help Kaladin and thus the Atreides grow into the superpower that we know them to be. Right. It honestly sounds like from this section in the Dune Encyclopedia, it truly sounds like Thufir literally reshaped Kaladin single-handedly. Yeah. Like Duke Mentor hired this dude, probably paid him quite the salary considering he was the most superbly trained Mentat in the Imperium. Yep. But my guy delivered. Yeah. He came in and completely reshaped Kaladin. And helped build the foundation upon which House Atreides continued to thrive and flourish. Yeah. Okay. I really want to dwell on this topic for a second. So mentors subjects, right? The people of Kaladin, this next generation that comes up and has all of these educational resources and this great infrastructure, they are able to turn planet Kaladin's industries around. Literally like 180 from whatever they were doing. They were just... I don't know, counting mud, and now they're <laughs> leading the industry. Quote, Duke mentors flourishing estates. Literally the creation of Hawat's energy and expertise became the envy of the Imperium. End quote. My God. Yeah. So beyond any kind of our judgment of his actions, when we meet Paul and Duke Leto, they're part of this powerful, flourishing great house that is so is so flourishing Emperor Shaddam IV is like, I'm worried about them. They're doing great. Yeah. This is because of Thufir Hawat and, of course, Mentor's wisdom in hiring <laughs> hiring, <him laughs> and being right. like, hey, fucking handle everything. Because I could also see a world in which, you know, maybe like Baron Harkonnen gets Thufir and says, I'm going to use you for these like specific things and then like fucking doesn't take advantage of him at all. Right. 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 Which, which I guess we kind of see, but anyway, point is mentor was wise saying, I know that you can handle all of this. So definitely handle it. And sure enough, he does. Yeah, exactly. And as much as we love to rag on through fear and his many missteps in the <laughs> Dune book. Yeah. We have to give respect where respect is due. Totally, yeah. Knowing this, knowing the effect he has on House Atreides under the employment of Duke Mentor, mm -hmm. truly, you have to put respect on the man's name. Totally. Now, the follow-up question here, of course, is what was that relationship like, that manager-employee relationship between Thufir and Mentor? Because right. you can imagine Thufir is not going to go out of his way to do all of this for somebody that he absolutely hates. Right. And that is very much true. By all accounts, we're told that Thufir held a deep admiration and affection 
for Duke Mentor. And Mentor was a lot like what Duke Leto would turn out to be. Right, yeah. He was utterly fair. He was absolutely honest. He was a real straight player. Right. And Thufir respected that. Thufir was all about that. He was like, this is a man that I can work for. The ideal manager. Yeah. And there are some accounts of Mentor personally, (laughs) this is wild, personally overseeing the rescue of two of Hawat's loved ones from Harkonnen oppression, Mm -hmm. presumably from the slave pits or something. Yeah. We don't get a mention of who these two loved ones are, but recall that Hawat has eight siblings out there somewhere in the Imperium. Yeah, just pick two of them. <laughs> right. Could probably, most likely, statistically speaking. <laughs> yeah. Again, Hawat's not out here falling in love with every woman he meets, right? He, it's not a girlfriend. <laughs> if it's not a girlfriend, he probably no longer has BFFs after the betrayal by Kolinar. Yeah. You can imagine the loved ones they're talking about here are probably siblings. Yeah, that's true. Probably. So obviously doing this sort of thing for Hawat creates that classic Atreides loyalty. Right. And as we know, Thufir Hawat becomes one of the most loyal servants for House Atreides. And this loyalty actually leads to a moment that the Dune Encyclopedia tells us where some off-world raiders were near one of Mentor's ranches. Right. And Hawat nearly dies defending this ranch. He takes a sword slash to the leg. And instead of being like, holy shit, I nearly died in this job. I don't want to work here anymore. (laughs) We're told that he, quote, bore the scar and the occasional pain with pride, end quote. I love that. It's it's so telling. But I'll also say, reading about this, I, okay, put on your tinfoil hats. I was like thinking about in the movie how Thufir walks kind of like is not he's not dancing across the screen is my point. He kind of is limping in a couple of the scenes. And I don't know. I'd kind of like to think that this is a character choice. Yeah. Based on this little detail. Maybe. Took a, a sword to the leg and now has a limp. I mean, hey. They, they've done weirdly deep research on other parts of the movie. Yeah. I I'm, I buy it. I don't know. I do too. That's my little, my, my conspiracy theory. I love it. I'm behind that theory. I don't think it's too outlandish to assume that Denny Villeneuve and much of that creative team knows about the Dune Encyclopedia and did their homework on all of the characters and thus may know about this limp. Or even, hey, if your cast is a character... And you find out there's this Dune Encyclopedia that's got like 14 pages of detail about your character. You don't think you might read it and pick some stuff from it? Yeah. I don't know. Could be. Could be. Even though (laughs) Brian Herbert's like executive producing the movie. And he's like, are you limping? (laughs) He's like, no. (laughs) Just a cramp. Just a leg cramp. It'll go away. It'll go away. Brian Herbert's like, better not see you limping from a sword attack near a ranch. Near <laughs> Is that pride I see on your face? That better not be pride. <laughs> Who are you proud of? Say it. I'm proud of Paulus. <laughs> yeah, not Mentor. <laughs> oh, man, that's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, check out our House Atreides coverage, the, the graphic novel coverage for <laughs> that reference. Truly. Yeah. Well, so yes, proud of the wound he took for uh, for mentor. 
proud of, of having the opportunity to give his life both in service and potentially in death. Mm-hmm. Clearly super happy. And this is where we get to start talking about bulls, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, you know, if you're, if you're up to date on how Duke Mentor died, uh, well, yeah. you'll see where this is going. <laughs> Duke Mentor was addicted to bullfighting, apparently. That's the uh, verbiage the Duke Encyclopedia uses, which is quite the addiction, right? It's like, ah, uh, I'm addicted to cigarettes. Tough. I'm addicted to battling bulls. <laughs> it's a chemical addiction. Uh, so Thufir, knowing this about this man that he respects, admires, and loves, puts a lot of his own personal energy into breeding and raising the best bulls. He's like, incredible. he's not going to fight some shitty third-rate bulls. I'm going to give him the best bulls I can breed and raise. He, lean, clearly, on his extensive and varied education, he's overseeing plans for feeding them. He's seeing he's he's checking their macronutrients. He's making sure <laughs> they're doing well. They're well fed. Right. Hashtag bull gains. Hashtag bull gains. He's not out here breeding scrawny bulls. He got <laughs> swole bulls. That's his <laughs> two fears. Swole bulls. That's what he calls them. Registered trademark. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a merch store near you. <laughs> Even checking their genetic qualities and breeding intentionally. He's out here with his mini <laughs> Quisatz Hatterach bull plan, keeping everything in check. And then he's got to have a great place to fight them. He's not going to fight them in the town square. No, no, no. He designed and had built the arena for Duke Mentor, the bullfighting arena that definitely will not contain some sort of tragedy oh, in boy. the coming yeah. days. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. <laughs> or whatever. And then, uh-huh. Mentor died in that fucking arena no, to a bull. No, <laughs> oh, no! No, fear! <laughs> He's like, Anya! <laughs> you did this again! <laughs> and Anya was the bull's name. No. Holy shit. <laughs> that's, that's not in the book. Um, just a bull killed Duke Mentor. And the Dune Encyclopedia moves on very quickly. It says like he attended every fight, so he was there on the day that Duke Mentor died. But good fucking lord, can you imagine the effect that had on Thufir? Yeah. Like the trauma this would be? He is so loyal to this man he loves and admires and (laughs) he watches him die. His blood spilled into the arena he had built for him right for this purpose killed by a bull that he bred his own swole bull killed him (laughs) tragic that's so tragic also the bull's name was colinar it was awful no oh my god (laughs) kidding we don't know the bull's name yeah probably was anya though (laughs) probably that's my headcanon oh my god that's a little dark actually he's like i bred all these bulls for you to kill and Mentor's like, why are they all named Anya? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thufir's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, brutal. Yeah, we are clearly painting a picture of this man, right? From what we have learned so far, Thufir's a guy who simply is incapable of half-assing anything. Right. He's never taken a day off in his life. Right. He's very used to being right about everything. And so this must have been crushing for him. To watch what in his eyes was probably a monumental failure on his part. Yeah. Being so critically involved in his beloved Duke's death. 
must have crushed him. You're you're absolutely right. I'll also point out, I see this as the beginning of Thufir being overly cautious with the person he's assigned to. Ah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, we'll talk about it for each of Duke Leto and, and, and then Paul, but good heavens, the idea of the Thufir we meet in, you know, 10,191 HE, the idea of him being like, hey, Paul, get into the ring with that bull unprotected. No, he would never. And I think that this yeah. is probably the event that led to that, you know, change in his, um, how willing he was to let his employer get into the ring, so to speak. For sure. Such a great point. Now, naturally, after Duke Mentor's death, Thufir transferred his allegiance to the young Duke Leto Atreides. <laughs> Ever heard of him? Sorry, I killed that your dad. Beard. You have my allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> right. I will serve you forever. Now, House Atreides is doing pretty well for itself, once again, thanks to Thufir's efforts. Right. The economy is bustling. The infrastructure is rock solid. Yeah. So Thufir, again, being the kind of guy that never takes a day off, decides, okay, let me turn my attention towards enhancing our espionage abilities as a house. Right. We don't get too much detail on what exactly this entails, but we wanted to call this out because this will come up later. So right. don't forget, Thufir focused on espionage. Yes. This was also when Thufir helped Leto expand the quote-unquote sea air power on Kaladin, which Duke Leto, of course, is known for. He says that in the movie as well. Right, yeah. And this helps shore up House Atreides' defenses. So basically, Thufir's out here just dotting his I's, crossing his T's for House Atreides now that he works for the young Duke Leto. Right. And as you stated earlier, these actions seem to align very much with the idea that he is a little bit more paranoid now and probably a lot a bit more protective <laughs> of his Duke. Right. And so perhaps he's going that extra mile and increasing their espionage abilities and their defensive capabilities to make sure that Duke Leto is the safest he's ever been. Make sure he doesn't get it's, killed by a bull. <laughs> right, right. No bull within 20 <laughs> yards of our young Duke. Thufir has 100 spies and 70 of them are looking for bulls. <laughs> it seems like a <laughs> weird distribution of manpower. <laughs> right, right. Like I know the economy's booming and whatever, we got the budget for it, but do we need 70 dudes on bull watch? <laughs> bull watch. It's <laughs> the worst place to be stationed. Haven't seen a bull in like six months. <laughs> right. You think it's an easy job until you're on like week six Yo, true. of nothing happening and you're just bored out of your mind. Then you drop your guard and boom, there's a bull right there. <laughs> oh my God, always be on watch. Always this is bull watch. watch. <laughs> <laughs> that's so dumb. The bull jokes are getting way out of hand. True. Now, that's just one theory, to be clear. Right. Like the Dune Encyclopedia doesn't explicitly state that Thufir becomes more paranoid at this point in his life. But sure. that seems like a pretty safe bet based on what we know about him. Of course, there's also another reality where maybe he uh, just kind of is bored with farming and creating schools and wants to try something new. Yeah. Keeping it keeping it fresh. Yeah. He was trained in 100 fields. He's like, <laughs> right. I did the and fields, like educational fields, not farming fields. In <laughs> <laughs> 100 fields of farming. No, like a, a bunch of different disciplines. And uh, he nailed it on the developing the planet front. Now he's like, let's focus on the people. I get it. Totally. Yeah, totally. Well, 
as he served Mentor well, he also served Duke Leto really well, <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah. And in the years leading up to Dune, he has a few really huge impacts on Duke Leto's house and sort of, well, just, yeah, House Atreides as a whole, right? Now, first, the first kind of huge impact is Lady Jessica. <laughs> it's a big impact. Yeah. He is the one who investigated the Bene Gesserit school and a little bit reluctantly was like, you know what? Yeah, okay, fine. Lady Jessica can be your concubine, you know, there, there's a specific word I've, I'm forgetting now, but type of concubine for Duke Leto, right? Right. And while that might not seem like a big deal, right? Like Bene Gesserit were useful. It's not a bad idea to have a Bene Gesserit sister around. Yeah. But knowing his personal prejudice, knowing that he is like inherently distrustful of all women and also Bene Gesserit's sisters, I see this as like a major personal victory for Thufir. Right. Right. Computing, probably. What is best for my Duke aside of my personal feelings and how do I best serve him and House Atreides? Okay, yes. Lady Jessica is indeed a good fit. Right. Exactly. Which enables Paul Atreides. <laughs> Thufir unlocked achievement. Paul Atreides was born. <laughs> and Thufir then becomes responsible for training and raising Paul in no small way. Right. Thufir, like his mother Golwani, recognized Paul's earliest signs of Mentat capabilities. So Paul's earliest Mentat trainings were then overseen by the most capable Mentat in the Imperium. <laughs> there you go. Not bad. And although Paul being a Mentat is not part of uh, Denis Villeneuve's part one, it is actually a pretty significant element of his skill set in Dune and Dune Messiah. So this is really quite significant. Like this is really quite a big deal. Yeah. And then finally, the last kind of big contribution he has for House Atreides is in the year 10,185 AG when Dr. Wellington Yui entered House Atreides' employee. And naturally, Thufir was the one to vet his authenticity. He claims right. to be a Sukh doctor. Yeah, all right, he is. <laughs> I've checked. And uh, as far as we know, he is. I've seen, I've seen some like weird fan theories that he wasn't. I think it's bullshit. Uh, yeah. He totally was. And Thufir rightfully knew that he was to be trusted. Yeah, I agree on the Dr. Yui thing. Totally a Sukh doctor. Yeah. TBD. We'll talk about it in a Dr. Yui Sukh school episode at some yeah, point. we will. Very quickly, though, before wrapping up this section and this part of Thufir's biography, we want to focus a little bit on his relationship with Pa. Sure. Because it's very sweet. It's very touching. And it expands our understanding of what we read in the book and what we see in the film. It's clear that Duke Mentor trusted Thufir Hawat. And it's clear that trust carried on to Duke Leto as well, because right. Paul is the future of House Atreides. He is going to be the future Duke. There is no other option. Yeah. And it is a sign of that trust that Leto has in his mentat Thufir that he allows Thufir to train the boy and specifically give the boy mentat training yeah, and to oversee the rest of his training as well. Right. 
you don't just hand that off to anyone. You hand that off to your best guy. And the fact that Leto does that with Thufir tells us a lot about the relationship between the two of them and Thufir's capabilities. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia also tells us that Thufir actually comes to love Paul as his own son, which is really kind of sweet, actually, because as we know, our guy fucks and may have (laughs) children out there. Right. But we never meet them. So as far as we know, he doesn't have any kids of his own. (laughs) And he thus treats Paul like the son he never had, which is incredibly sweet, especially from a guy who has sworn off love since Anya. Certainly no one he's fucking raising. (laughs) (laughs) Right. None. No other children that he's raising specifically. (laughs) Yeah. So we wanted to mention those two things because it's clear that like this combination of the deep respect and loyalty that Thufir has for Duke Leto and for all of House Atreides and the trust and respect that Leto has in his Mentat, it's obvious that there's nothing that Thufir wouldn't do for Paul and that Leto trusts Thufir enough to hand over his son and his son's training to this man. So it's it's clear that that classic Atreides loyalty and the, you know, sort of hashtag company culture that they build up here is super critical to Paul's life and to this relationship that they all share. It's beautiful stuff. It is. It's also such a validating kind of opinion on House Atreides that Thufir has been here, a very demanding person in the in the Duke he follows, going Duke mentor exceptional leader, righteous, you know, honorable. Duke Leto doesn't let me down, is exceptional. Is You know, this isn't like a generational variability where, oh, his dad was great, but he sucks. <laughs> right, right. Thufir is like, man, these fucking Atreides don't miss. <laughs> They're all yeah. wonderful people. Right. Hey, that's pretty good. It's a nice, uh, nice representation of the consistency of House Atreides. But yeah. That's Thufir's life up to the first pages of Dune. That's right. From his early life on planet Lodgy, his widespread education on basically everything, his devastating but probably could be handled in therapy heartbreak with Anya, (laughs) and then his rise to best fucking Mintat in in the universe, in the galaxy. Yeah. And with all of that, we arrive at the beginning of Dune, and an ad break. <laughs> so That's stick right. around. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about the events of Dune and and some of the takeaways uh, from the Dune Encyclopedia about this later part of his life. So we'll be right back after this. Welcome back, folks. Let's continue our deep dive journey into the life of Thufir Hawat and talk about the events of Dune. And More specifically, we're going to focus this latter half of the episode on what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us about what Thufir is up to behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Because it's not really worth it for us to recap every scene from the book. This is a spoiler episode. We assume y'all have read it. We have read it. There's a book club. There's a movie. We know what Thufir is up to in the pages of that book and on the screen. What we want to focus on is the behind the scenes stuff that the Dune Encyclopedia shares with us, which genuinely paints a pretty incredible picture of how thorough our guy is. Yeah. Which once again, is in stark contrast to sort of the bumbling idiot that we like to joke about and riff on 
that we meet in the actual pages and on the screen. Right. And so before we get into it, we do want to throw out one more quick warning. If you have been bold and brash and ignored <laughs> the spoiler warning and have listened thus far, yeah. now is the point where you probably want to stop listening because we're going to be spoiling the entirety of the first book in the upcoming conversations. So it's go true. read the book and then come back and finish. It is a good book, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, I can't help but think about how fucking mean we were <laughs> to Thufir in a lot of our conversations, especially about, you know, those first chapters of Dune and and as he gets captured and as he keeps making these mistakes, it's like, oh yeah, he's the best in the universe? God, Mentats are awful. But that's why I think this is such an impactful thing to talk about because it really does put some credibility to his character and his name and his reputation and why he has all this responsibility despite the fact that he clearly fucks up sometimes. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about first this sort of big move of House Atreides moving to planet Arrakis from their very long stay on planet Kaladin. Right. And to begin... I want you to just picture the last time you had to move from one house to another uh, or like one apartment to another. <laughs> Awful, right? Always ends yep. up being more expensive than you expect. You you like rent a U-Haul you, or you, you hire a company. It's expensive. It's chaotic. There's a lot of logistics from one apartment to another. Now, imagine that on a galactic scale. <laughs> My God. God. They had a, a thousand U-Haul spaceships. It was insane. <laughs> and... This quote from the Dune Encyclopedia gives us a good sense of the scale of the problem he had to solve. Quote, The logistics involved in moving personnel and material from one planet to another were appalling. <laughs> but Leto was confident the task was not beyond his mentat. In record time, his confidence was confirmed. End quote. Amazing. Appalling! Moving is appalling. I'm glad someone finally fucking said it. Also, <laughs> record time. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. If I finished moving and was like, that was record time, I would buy a bottle of champagne and a pie. I don't know. I would celebrate. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Worth celebrating. If there were moving Olympics, clearly Thufir is a gold medalist out here. Oh, clearly. Yeah. And l lest we forget, at the ripe age of like, what is he, like a hundred, around 100 at this point in his life? Yeah, over. I think he's like 106, something like that. Yeah, incredible <sighs> stuff. Yeah. Good job, Thufir. Now, a quick aside we want to mention. As part of this move, the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that Thufir was hyper-focused primarily on making sure communication, military strategy, and security were rock solid. Right. And... This is where the encyclopedia makes a pretty bold claim. Yeah. Here's the quote. Hawat set up the Duke's own communications network and enlarged the codes, especially the Atreides hand signs and battle language, his creations. End quote. <laughs> his creations? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> the, what is it? The, what was that? Toolman t Tim? Uh... What do you know what I'm talking about? The the show? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I don't, but I believe you. 
<laughs> you're so kind. You're like, whatever 1980s cartoon you're referencing, I'm sure it was right. great. <laughs> Before my time, as you know, you are an ancient crone and I'm a young, young babe, as our listeners assume. So, Oh, my God. I am ancient. That cartoon must have been before my time. It was from the 1920s when I was 36 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. Yeah. We personally haven't come across any other sources that claim otherwise. Right. So I, I get like as far as we know, we just have to assume our boy through fear is the one responsible for that secret Atreides hand sign language that they love to use that we saw Jessica use in the movie. Yeah. That's because of our guy through fear. That's pretty incredible. Multiple times. And it comes up all the fucking time in the book. Like yeah. all the time characters are like, prepare for violence, like get ready. Like there is that guy's an enemy all the time. Right. And I legitimately was, I almost couldn't believe it. I was like, there's gotta be for the Atreides battle language and this hand based communication I'm like, there has to be another source, and I couldn't personally find one. It is totally possible we missed it. <laughs> Email us, gumjabarpodcast at gmail.com if we missed it. Yeah. Let us know. We'll correct this. But it looks like, and the Dune Encyclopedia claims, his creations. Right. Hand signs, battle language, his creations. Insane. So, so cool. Again, the more we learn about Thufir the worse we feel about ragging on him so much. <laughs> this guy deserves our respect, it's clearly. True. Yeah. All right, back to the move. Let's talk a bit more about this big move from Kaladin to Arrakis. As House Atreides is preparing this move, Thufir was thorough. He set about identifying any and all threats that Duke Leto could face in his new home. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia tells us that to prepare, Thufir, quote, gathered and digested every scrap of knowledge available on geography, topography, climate, weather, and history, as well as on the Fremen and their culture, end quote. It's a lot of books. <laughs> That's a lot of books. A lot of pamphlets. Yeah, truly. So many pamphlets full of sand <laughs> that our guy Thufir had to go through. Is that, a, is that a joke back to, like, episode one? Yeah, that is a very deep-cut Kamjabar joke from, like, <laughs> years ago. So, shouts to the oh, folks yeah. that have been with us <laughs> for years. Glad I remembered it. I barely remember those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Spacing Guild John, so high. <laughs> <laughs> right. As we said, Thufir is not a guy who can half-ass anything. Right. And he's clearly showing that here. He is moving to Arrakis well-prepared, right. doing all his homework. And again, above and beyond. Once they touch down on the planet itself, Thufir sends out specially trained agents to gather even more information and to adjust for any inaccuracies in his data, oh, right? I love that. Maybe That's the so cool. pamphlet was incorrect. Yeah. Maybe the history I read was not complete. Go out and fix that for me. I need only the best data. Right. That's amazing to recognize that even all this knowledge I've prepared is not preparation enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to be clear, this is all happening behind the scenes, right? right. As we said earlier, we only get small hints of Thufir's actions in the book. 
But knowing this is all happening behind the scenes really does put some of his bigger blunders in the book into context for us. Sure. Like, I I can't help but think of the Hunter Seeker incident where he rushes to Duke Leto and offers his resignation. Right. Yeah. Imagine what it's like for him. He's out here doing all this research, sending out his agents, being (laughs) as prepared as he can to move to Arrakis, and he makes this huge mistake. After being so <laughs> meticulous, imagine still being outsmarted and what that must have felt like for Thufir. He's like, fuck, I should have drilled holes in every wall in Arcane. <laughs> <laughs> Duke Leto's like, uh, calm down, Thufir. That's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> right. I should have built an entirely new palace with my own hands. God damn it. I was a fool. <laughs> and then I should have filled it with bowls. No, not again. <laughs> Anya! Uh, Anya! (laughs) (laughs) And the name of the Hunter Seeker pilot was Anya. Oh my God. God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) Incredible stuff. I mean, this whole move to Arrakis, in short, right? Like the big takeaway here from what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us is that Thufir is behind the scenes pulling so many strings that we don't see. Right. He's out here being thorough, capital T thorough. (laughs) Yeah. And he's out here going above and beyond. And, and that really encapsulates the type of person that Thufir is and his loyalty to House Atreides, how he will stop at nothing right. to make sure that he does his best for this house and for this duke that he admires and loves. Yeah. And the move to Arrakis was, I'm sure, one of his biggest challenges yet. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I do want to hone in because as we start to talk now about security and information, Right. And as he focused on security and information, you're right. He's going above and beyond. He's dotting every I. He's crossing every T. And we get this this quote that really. <laughs> yeah, this is this is wild to me. And and I think also is something I almost wish was in the original book by Frank Herbert. Yeah, because it goes unremarked upon <laughs> like it really just happens in the background. But it makes perfect sense knowing what we know about him. Quote. Hawat spent sleepless days and nights checking every room and all the furnishings of the residency. He set up shields, placed safety devices, cleared the servants, and personally installed the poison snoopers. End quote. Amazing. Insane. I mean, he's the most capable mentat in the fucking universe, and I'm imagining him, like, pulling a kitchen chair up to, like, stand up and get the poison snooper screwed in you know like he's here doing base stuff to make sure it's done right right and you know the the hunter seeker scene is easy to kind of hold against him but the dune encyclopedia points out that it is largely thanks to thufir's training that paul even remotely survives the experience right yeah totally plus we're told that he's working overtime this whole time behind the scenes thwarting kind of smaller Harkonnen plots here and there. Quote, he may have deplored the need, I love this, but he did not hesitate to use bribes, deceit, or even murder if service to his duke called for them. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> Confirmed. He not only fucks and probably has kids, who knows, Yeah, he, he will murder people if 
Duke Leto needs it or if it would benefit Duke Leto. Is, is Dufier like a 1920s gangster? Like a like a mobster? <laughs> yeah. In fact, his the original voice that Frank Herbert had in mind for Dufier was something like, yeah, Duke Leto, if you need a man to disappear, I can make him disappear. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He's going to take a long walk off a short pier, Duke Leto. I can get it done. My name is Dufier yeah. Howlett. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm Holy go shit! That was incredible. <laughs> that was incredible. Wow, that vo- those voice actor chops really showing there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's sarcasm or not. But no, I'll... no, truly, truly. Oh, thank that, you. that was really incredible. I was like, keep, keep talking. Do the whole episode <laughs> like that. So there was this dame named <laughs> Anya. I don't even like saying the name Anya. <laughs> and she went off with my friend. Kalani, or whatever his name was. <laughs> whatever his name is. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. Back to the script. <laughs> I, I, I could literally do that for hours, just talking about, like, well, tell me about Logi Planet. <laughs> okay, the security of House Atreides. We're back on, back on track. Yes, yes. That is not... <laughs> Where Thufir's job stops because, hey, he's also out here doing some S-tier intelligence gathering on the Fremen. Right. We talked about the pamphlets full of sand. We talked about the (laughs) books. We talked about, I don't know, he's like DMing Fremen. Like, yo, (laughs) what you up to, right? Right, right. Thufir was quick to realize not only that there were far more Fremen than pretty much anybody suspected. Right, everyone's like, ah, oh, probably a million, uh, or probably a thousand, or ten thousand, or something like that. Right, like so few. He's like the first person to say, no, nah, there's probably like ten million on planet. Yeah, but also he was one of the first people to realize they were potentially on par with the Sardaukar, which is nuts. Like that's a wild realization that basically changes the power dynamic of the galaxy. And he's one of these people who's kind of figuring that out. Yeah. He also personally was handling that research, preparing the materials, getting the sand out of the pamphlets for Paul. So anytime we see Paul watching uh, film clips, right, about the sand walk, Mm -hmm. about Muad'Dib, the little mouse, Mm -hmm. about the plants, all of that stuff, this is stuff that Thufir made for Paul, basically. Is, is what the Dune Encyclopedia basically tells us. Right. And, of course, Thufir was also responsible and clever enough to put two and two together about this spacing guild no-fly zone around planet Arrakis. Right. Realizing, first, that there are secrets on planet Arrakis, like there's shit going on that the spacing guild doesn't want people to know about, and at the same time, that the spacing guild is is kind of part of this, that they are up to something which is just huge because, again, this is one of those secrets that is being kept for thousands of years. And Thufir is like, uh, huh. <laughs> Do y'all ever think about this? Yeah. Everyone in the room's like, literally, no, literally never. Right. This is the first time. Yeah. Again, he's putting that mentat training by his mother and by the eminent school on X to incredible use here to make connections that people have been missing for. I don't know, decades at minimum. Yeah. 
he's out here like solving the Millennium Puzzle and becoming Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he assembles Exodius like nine times a day. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. He believes in the heart of the cards, folks. Okay. Well, look, we've been heaping praise on Thufir this whole episode. Truly. And all of it is well-deserved, to be clear. Yeah. He deserves that praise. But we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge the whole Jessica situation from the first book. Yeah. (laughs) His obsessive belief that Jessica is the traitor, a belief that he carries basically to the final moments of his life. Right. But- Having learned what we have in this episode thus far, this history with Anya really contextualizes a lot of that for us. We talked earlier how it makes it clear that that heartbreak is central to his deep distrust of women and particularly his distrust of the Benny Gesserit sisterhood. Right. Yeah. And like we said earlier, when he sees a potential betrayal a Benny Gesserit sister who claims to be in love with his Duke betraying him, I'm sure he gets flashbacks to his own love affair with Anya and that betrayal with Kolinar. Right. So it really does paint a broader picture of this situation beyond just what you might assume reading the book, which is, oh, he's a crotchety old man who's <laughs> like racist against the sisterhood. Right. Here we get a much deeper understanding of where perhaps that is coming from whether or not it is right or wrong, right? Like therapy could have solved a lot of this. (laughs) Yeah, really good. Now, the Dune Encyclopedia also gives us a deeper understanding of that conversation that Jessica and Hawat have, that very tense one-on-one conversation where she shakes his bones (laughs) by revealing some of her Benny Gesserit abilities to him. We learn that after that conversation, he wrote to his friend, remember Mentat Rouse? of House Dioscuri, uh-huh. Hawat apparently wrote to him, and the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that, quote, Hawat nevertheless left the interview with a sense of supreme admiration for Lady Jessica, hey. end quote. Okay, I like that. So there you go. He has that bias against the sisterhood. He believes Jessica is the traitor for almost the entirety of the book, but he still deeply respects her. And that is is a testament to the type of person that Lady Jessica is, but also a testament to, once again, Thufir's loyalty to House Atreides. Lady Jessica is part of House Atreides. And ultimately, as we know, he can set aside his own biases to put House Atreides first. And he will always admire them and he will always respect them. Yeah, I also see it as like a sign of maturity. Right. right. You know, despite his sort of petty, you know, juvenile behavior but the fact that he quietly to himself after that interview was like she is formidable she is worthy of respect right like yeah even admiration yeah that word admiration really it's a side of his feelings for her that we don't see totally we just see this sort of like single note burning hatred for her in everything he says and does but to know that he also admired how ferocious she was and how kind of formidable she was. I like that. I think it deepens that emotional note pretty significantly. Totally. Totally. And that's part of why we love the Dune Encyclopedia so much. Yeah. It adds context and recontextualizes so much of the story we think we know. 
Right. And it deepens our understanding, which is so great. <laughs> and it gives us recipes for spice coffee. <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's talk about Thufir's life after the attack on Arkane as he's captured by the Harkonnen, uh, House Harkonnen, and <laughs> living under Baron. And this period, on a reread, as I was kind of rereading Dune, is really when I started seeing his brilliance in kind of Frank's writings, right? Like, yeah, I was told over and over again how great he is, and Baron's like, ooh, we caught Thufir? Whoa, we need him. He's great. And I'm like, is he? He's kind of been fucking up the first third of this book. Right. But at this point in the book, we start to see his brilliance with his plans within plans, right? Pitting fate against Vladimir, slowly whittling down House Harkonnen. And I actually genuinely think, I don't think this is a hot take. I think if nothing had changed, like if everyone stayed where they were, you know, Giddy Prime stays Giddy Prime, people in Arrakis stay in Arrakis. I think by the time Baron went to place Fade Rautha in control of House Harkonnen, I legitimately think that by that point, I think Thufir would have like dismantled the house single-handedly. Yeah. I don't think there's a hot take at all. He was already well on his way to doing that. In like Planting two years. the seeds. <laughs> like yeah. the speed with which he started getting real results in like pitting uncle versus nephew, incredible. But let's talk about this period of his life. Yes. Again, let's focus on some of that extra context that the Dune Encyclopedia tells us. Yeah. So recall how under the Baron's watch, Hawat is poisoned yeah. and is forced to do the Baron's bidding. But as we know, he starts to do his own schemes as well. Yes, he's following the Baron's orders, but he is also weaving his own plans within plans. Sure, yeah. The encyclopedia does point out that we don't have exact details for this period of his life because it seems like nobody was taking notes in House Arconan. And Hawat didn't exactly keep a diary where he laid out all his evil plans where the <laughs> Baron could, could stumble across it or something. <laughs> right. But we do know from his actions in the book how beautifully Hawat is playing both Fade Rautha and the Baron and pitting them against each other. He earns Fade's trust with that stunt with the undrugged gladiator and also with that assassination attempt on the Baron. And then he flips it around and simultaneously earns the Baron's trust by revealing the assassination that he helped Fade set up in the first place. So he's playing this absolutely genius, like, double game, pitting these two Harkonnen against each other while keeping himself seemingly innocent in both of their eyes. And in fact, earning their trust and admiration. Yeah. Well played, Thufir Hawat. Well played. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Dune Encyclopedia does point out that Thufir almost certainly computed that he was poisoned. And so this tightrope balancing game that he's playing of nearly killing Fade or nearly killing the Baron, but remaining completely within their circle of trust is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Here's a little bit of what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us about this time. Right. Quote, burning, nay, obsessed with the desire for vengeance on the enemies of his beloved Atreides, Hawat walked the path of expediency. He complied with the Baron's orders, joined his conspiracies, designed his plots, no matter how nefarious, all to one dedicated end. 
the glorious day he could strike the annihilating blow against those who had crushed his cherished house. End quote. Incredible. <laughs> so good. So good. And this quote is actually why I think your take is not a hot take. Yeah. That Thufir would have single-handedly eventually destroyed the Harkonnen. He was just waiting for that one glorious day. All he needed was one perfect opening, and you know Thufir Hawat would have taken perfect advantage of it and brought down the whole house. Or even, like, he built House Atreides, the wealth and the prosperity that we see, and it's so much harder to build something than it is to destroy it, right? Yep. I think he could take advantage of one big opportunity, of course, but I think Thufir's brilliance is he sees the thousand microscopic opportunities and perfectly plays them in a way that is nearly undetectable, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just where, given a decade of service under House Harkonnen, I genuinely think, yeah, he would he would dismantle it. And I think it would seem like, wow, they have terrible luck. All of their industries crumbled. Like, the, the people are all sad. I mean, way more sad than before. I think the brilliance of it is Baron Harkonnen the whole time would be like, thank God I've got Thufir watching out for me. It would be so much worse. Yeah, totally. Anyway. So what you're saying, Leo, is that Thufir has multiple ways of bringing down this house and he'll just pick and choose or maybe mix and match? Yeah, probably. You'll love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude's out here. Plans within plans. Totally. So in this period of his life, when he's under Harkonnen rule, <laughs> with his multiple plans, we learn. From actually Baron's personal notes, the Dune Encyclopedia points out the Baron suspects that Hawat is using him, is kind of using him for his own plans. But he thinks Thufir is trying to get revenge on Shaddam Fourth for House Atreides' destruction. Like, he straight up is like, oh yeah, Thufir's so mad at Shaddam and House Carino. He's so angry. He like casually hates me, whatever, but he's really what he's using me right now to get at Shaddam the Fourth. Totally unaware of Thufir's literal simmering bloodlust and like murderous intent. Thufir's there picturing Baron dead on the floor, and Baron's like, man, he hates Shaddam, doesn't he? Totally oblivious. And in Thufir's letters to Rouse, he not only affirms that he actively loathes Baron Harkonnen, he refers to Vladimir as, quote, a gross and dangerous pig. Amazing. End quote. Also offensive to pigs everywhere, to be compared to Vladimir <laughs> totally. Harkonnen. And swears, quote, destroying him will be a service to mankind. End quote. Really spicy. I love it. I, this I'm here for spicy through fear. For real. If we could get just a, like a published collection of notes of him talking shit about Baron Harkonnen would be really great. Yeah. I'd love to see what Thufir's Tumblr account was like <laughs> the days yeah. after Anya left him, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> just the, the pure emo energy that must have been on the internet that day? It's like the worst of vague posting. He's like, no one asked me how bad I have it. <laughs> love it. Love a moody Thufir. Now, all of Thufir's 
plans within plans here while he's under House Arconan are exemplified by the moment where he finally spills some of the beans to the Baron yeah. and tells him about the Fremen and this connection to Seleucus Secundus, right. how the Fremen could be a fighting force that could rival the Sardaukar, right. and that the Baron could utilize that if he wished. As we discussed in our book clubs, and as we all know from the book, the Baron, pretty much clueless about all of this, thinks <laughs> the Fremen are just a bunch of rabble that he should be unconcerned with and are not worth his attention or his time. Yeah. In this same scene where Thufir pitches his Fremen idea to the Baron, He's also thinking about the secret reports he's been receiving from none other than his former colleague, Gurney Halleck himself. Hey, another man who, who fucks. Who we know <laughs> is like the man who fucks. They all fuck. All of House Atreides <laughs> fucks. It's true. So at this point in the story, Thufir knows that Gurney Halleck is alive and working among the smugglers against the Harkonnens on Arrakis. Right. And of course, having worked under the Baron for some time now- he knows the Baron's plan to put Fade Rotha in control of Arrakis to cement the Harkonnen rule there and to get rid of Beast Rabat. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia posits that, quote, the scheming most likely pivoted on Hawat's desire to lure the Baron to Dune, where Gurney had many hands to help him earn his revenge. End quote. That's crazy to me. That's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. To think that He's pitching this Fremen idea to the Baron because Thufir's goal is to try and get the Baron to Arrakis, where he knows Gurney is waiting, where he knows he can perhaps execute some sort of plan to take down this house. Yeah, It's all part of a larger scheme from Thufir to try and take down House Harkonnen. That's so cool to think about. Literally everything he's doing, it has a purpose beyond the purpose you might think. And also, the fact that he's focused on this idea of Gurney's there waiting for his chance to get revenge. He's like, yeah, my my buddy Gurney has a bone to pick with House Harkonnen. I'll give him his chance, right? Through fears, thinking about him. I love this. So cool. Yeah. Once in Atreides, always in Atreides. Oh, so true. But... We don't necessarily get to see <laughs> these plans within plans, these schemes mature. We don't see them blossom into the yeah. flowers we knew they would be. Right. Because some fucking guy, planet side, <laughs> here he's from Brooklyn, Muadib, <laughs> pushed things into overdrive. He, he really started a few fires that needed to be addressed. And Thufir finds himself suddenly back on Arrakis. This is super interesting to me because... We don't see Thufir on Arrakis until he's brought before Paul after Paul has the throne. Apparently, according to the Dune Encyclopedia, apparently Baron Harkonnen sent Thufir to a smuggler base to infiltrate the camp of Muad'Dib, which is crazy. And probably Thufir's suggestion, honestly, Thufir probably wrangled that to get away from Baron to help him kind of, I don't know, meet up with Gurney or whatever. But Baron sent Thufir to a smuggler base to infiltrate the camp of Muad'Di. Yeah. And what happened next, the Dune Encyclopedia has this excerpt, which I wanted to just share in full. <laughs> Quote, Hawat was well away from Arakin then, when the mysterious Muad'Dib defeated the Sardaukar and captured the emperor with all of his retainers. 
When he returned to Arakeen more than five days later, weak and already moving toward death from lack of the antidote, Hawat discovered not only that the Baron was dead, but that the invincible Muad'Dib sitting in state in the residency was none other than his young Duke Paul. End quote. Good Lord! What a fucking shock that must have been. Amazing. And we see Thufir on death's door as he approaches Paul, you know, and he like collapses into Paul's arms and dies. Yeah. I was always wondering about that. I was like, what the fuck? Wasn't he under Baron's like charge a day ago or two days? Like what, what is happening here? It makes sense if he was on a five day mission and wasn't having the antidote for five days that the poison would have gotten him very close to death. Right. I appreciate that, that that kind of ties up those loose strings a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, there's one more quick string we got to tie up here too. Right. Because there's the question of how he comes back from that mission and ends up in the throne room. Right. Working for Shaddam the Fourth. True. Yeah. And the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that basically Shaddam discovers that Thufir has made it back to Arakeen mm-hmm. and summons him immediately. You don't waste the most incredible Mentat in the known Imperium. <laughs> sure. When you know he's in town, you summon him immediately. <laughs> also, Shaddam's like, why do you look close to death? <laughs> Thufir's Right. <laughs> Just wheezing. (laughs) The poor guy's not in great shape. But obviously, Shaddam is about to go meet Paul Mwadib Atreides. And so he figures the person who can get closest to Paul and be able to kill him is probably his most trusted mentat. True. As we know, and of course, as all the readers of the book know, Thufir would never do that, and that doesn't happen. But he does accept the poison needle without comment. The Dune Encyclopedia says he was, quote, too weak to nod his head, end quote. <laughs> that really paints us a picture of the poor condition this guy is in now that he hasn't had the antidote for days. Oh my God. That that really, somehow that's the saddest part of this episode for me. Yeah. Like, the idea that he's so weak, still thinking, still active, still conspiring, still planning, but too weak to nod his head because of the poison killing him. Yeah. So sad. So incredibly sad. And again, to his dying breath, he is doing this in service to the Atreides. Right. Once the entourage arrives at the palace, Gurney, of course, is doing his job. He's going to check everybody coming in for weapons. So he, of course, sees that Thufir has a poison needle on him. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. But Thufir's like, I created this whole hand signal language myself. Let me use it. He uses that signal to tell his old friend, quote, Thinking Paul was dead, he had been working with the Harkonnens and to request he be left within the group to avert, no doubt, any move that might be made against Paul. End quote. That's the message he conveys to Gurney. Yeah. Hey, let me pass here. I'm actually going to watch out for Paul in this moment. Right. Let me keep that poison needle. Yeah. Incredible stuff. And so, through fear, as we all know, in that fateful final moment, is given the order to kill Paul Muad'Dib Atreides. Paul literally gives him permission, <laughs> like opens his arms wide and is like, uh, you know, you wherever you want to stick that needle, do it. Yeah, bro. Come on. I'm here for you, man. Poke <laughs> me. Poke me with it. <laughs> right. Like probably a little too eagerly, you know. <laughs> Thufir, please. <laughs> Thufir. Right. 
But of course, in a final act of defiance, as we all know, Thufir instead decides to die in Paul's arms rather than betray the house that he has now served for three generations. Yeah. In fact, he dies, right? 10,196 AG. We're told this is the age of 121 years old. Wow. We know he entered House Atreides' employee at 35 years old. That's, what, 86 years? Yeah. Of loyal service. He built the house from scratch. Well, not from scratch, but (laughs) he certainly helped. Point is, he is a magnificent career behind him. And as always, the Dune Encyclopedia is fondly referencing him throughout this section. And the historians even, I mean, beyond the fact that they often casually refer to him as the greatest Mentat the Imperium has ever seen. Right. Every word of that capitalized. We also get this final paragraph of his entry. Quote, Hawat's duke, which is Paul, then paid his faithful servant, the Mentat who had served three generations of Atreides, his final honor. He gave the honor to have Hawat's body carried away and treated with all the respect of a hero of the tribe. End quote. Which is beautiful. The idea that Paul, so quickly, after his Mentat's death, gives him the honor we all know he deserves. Yeah. And that's... Beautiful stuff. <laughs> that's Oh, wow. Yeah. What a life. What 121 years from his earliest years on Planet Lodgy to studying on Ix to that heartbreaking betrayal from Anya, his career at House Atreides, his imprisonment under House Harkonnen. That is quite the journey he took in that lifetime. I think one of the biggest takeaways is just the amount of effort he puts into anything that he puts his mind to. Yeah. Again, we've said we've said it already in this episode, but he doesn't half-ass anything. He is not going to half-ass a thing. In fact, he's putting 110% into anything he puts his mind to. Yeah. And and it's just a reminder to all of us that the next time we see an indication of House Atreides' wealth, we got to pour one out for Thufir Hawat, who perhaps single-handedly built this great house into what it was. It's really true. We truly have to put respect on this man's name. Yeah. Well, thinking about that, respecting Thufir, let's wrap up, as we like to do, with a couple of questions. Abu. Yes. <laughs> From today's episode, you know, we've talked a lot about Thufir. We've learned a lot about him. We've explored a lot of his nooks and crannies that uh, we hadn't explored before. The next time you see Thufir, right, we go into Vilnev Part 2, you know, or we rewatched the first movie. Has your opinion of Thufir changed when you see him on screen or you see him on page? Has your opinion of him changed? And what, if anything, was the kind of biggest contributing factor to that change, would you say? Mm, great question. I would say my opinion has certainly changed. Sure. Thufir is a character I've always respected, even through his blunders in the first book, we know and see how effective he is trying to dismantle House Harkonnen. Right. And we obviously know the dramatic final act of his life. Yeah. Where he chooses not to kill Paul Atreides. So I've always respected the character. And I've always known that he is one of the most talented Mentats in the Imperium. 
despite perhaps not seeing that at the start of the book. Right. Knowing what I know now, after having researched this episode and after having learned so much about his life up until the first book, I respect him so much more. And I genuinely feel bad about some of the <laughs> shots I've taken at our boy. <laughs> yeah. Because I realize some of them were undeserved. Right. He yeah. is one of the most talented mentats in the Imperium, and he has earned the respect that so many of the characters, particularly Duke Leto and Paul, show this man. Right. I think the thing that truly blows my mind from today is the hand signals. Yeah. Oh, my God. The fact yeah. that he created an entire battle language for the Atreides that they use constantly. Right. Incredible. The fact that he set up schools and infrastructure like truly building the foundation upon which House Atreides' power and wealth could continue to grow and flourish. Right. That's amazing, right? That's context we don't get in the books, that we don't even know in the books. And all we see is an old, perhaps out-of-date mentat making silly mistakes that seem obvious to us. Right, yeah. And what we don't see is how much of what is happening in that book is single-handedly the result of his blood, sweat, and tears. Right, And so for those reasons, I, I, I truly respect the character so much more than I did before. And I think I owe him an apology for some <laughs> of my jokes. Yeah. What about you? What are your feelings on Thufir after we've learned so much about him? Well, I'll say, you know, beat for beat, I agree. Um, I remember us joking about how kind of trying to give him credit in the face of how much it seems like he fucks up joking about how a mentat bases everything on data and how this book by definition sort of all of the data defying things that happen in this imperium like you ask him has anyone ever been a, become a quisats hatterack and he's like no impossible <laughs> and paul's like right. ooh sorry through fear uh, i became the <laughs> quisats hatterack through fear's like what <laughs> fuck right you right. know how many times have Benny Gesserit betrayed people all the fucking time. And this is the one time she didn't. Oh no. You know, we made those jokes because we felt bad for this guy who apparently is the best Mentat in the universe, but sucks. You're right. I think we, we both uh, should apologize to Thufir and I throw my <laughs> apology on top of yours. Sorry, dude, you're amazing. He's an amazing Mentat. And also bearing that in mind, I think it makes more sense that after 80 years of service to House Atreides that he decides I cannot remain employed by them because I made this mistake with the hunter seeker. This is the guy who built their wealth. This is the guy who makes sure that they're safe every day with the battle language. Like he did so much. His offer to resign becomes so much more poignant, right? Right. So much more impactful when we see how long, how much of his life is this house to say, I'll quit. I'll go lay in a dumpster somewhere. I'm trash, you know, like, God, it's mind blowing. And also think about the fact that he's nailing every shot he, he takes up into these big blunders in Dune and then is captured by House Harkonnen. <laughs> Frankly, in an embarrassing show for a, for, for a master of assassins, he's captured by a Sardaukar person and instead of having his spirit broken, he immediately pivots and starts single-handedly disarming one of the greatest, most dangerous houses in the Imperium. 
to understand the depression he must feel for everything that happened and to know that he, in spite of whatever those feelings are, immediately is like, okay, fine, I'll dismantle House Harkonnen is so inspiring. I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. He gets back to work, right? He's just like, okay, how can I serve Duke Leto even as Duke Leto is now dead? Right. So, yeah, I mean, the next time I see the movie, I'm going to be looking for that limp, of course. <laughs> I'm be looking <laughs> to see if he took a sword to the leg. Nobody tell Brian. You're right. Nobody tell Brian. Just a random choice for the actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, just in general, anytime Jessica does the hand hand signs, the battle language, anytime I see that, I'm going to think, God, Fufir came up with that, or at least created their vocabulary. We see that the Bene Gesserit do have their own hand signals, and we see some other uh, groups that have similar, but still really incredible stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my, my takeaway. Just, I, I definitely respect him a lot more and am eager to rewatch the movie for the nth time <laughs> to pick out some of these little details. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Okay. Let's end on one more question. This one's a bit more silly, trying to end the episode on a high note. Sure. I am curious, Leo. Sure. Where do you think Anya and Kolinar are now? Oh. 80 years later, 80 years <laughs> after that tragic betrayal. Yeah. Where are they? Do they have eight kids, a beautiful seaside home on Kaladin? <laughs> are they having the most incredible mind-blowing sex of their lives? <laughs> yeah, they've been on Gamont this whole time. It's <laughs> like, wow, that couple rented that room 80 years ago. They're still there. Um. <laughs> well, okay. I'll say a fantastic question, fun. Where are Anya and Kolinar now? You know, I, looking at our answers in the script, I see that we basically agreed on agreed on something here. That there are two possibilities. I think one is that they are still together and happily, you know, somewhere, um, some beautiful planet. I would say probably Poratrin right out of the way mm-hmm. beautiful this time of year right beautiful every time of the year right or so they're either you know there or they broke up pretty quick after and i have a couple of theories there but but on that idea of those two possibilities let's kind of work through our answers together because I, I do think that we had we were of a very similar mind here so yeah walk me through this right we both came up with these two possibilities they are either together or they're not. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's such a clear duality? Yeah, it is a duality for me. Like only two possibilities exist in my mind. Sure. They either barely lasted a year before just the the worst breakup imaginable, <laughs> right? Classic college relationship. Yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> or on the flip side of that, they are exactly what I jokingly said earlier. They're the happiest, most loving married couple having the most amazing sex of their lives. Right. Classic college relationship. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, that's possible? I, anyway. I don't know. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. For other people. I mean, for right? fucking non-main characters. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reason I believe that these are the only two possibilities for them is because of the nature of mentats. Oh, sure. And how complex I imagine mentat dating to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I think young mentats, as Thufir and Anya were when they first met, probably make grave errors in their calculations 
and allow those personal emotions to cloud their judgment, right? Oh, sure. They're not making crystal clear prime computations. Right. And thus, they perhaps end up with partners that aren't perfect for them, right? You make a grave error, you get too emotional, you end up with someone who's not good for you. Right. Hashtag throwback to my college years. <laughs> right. But yeah. as these mentats grow older, advance in their studies, and become more effective with their skills, maybe their abilities evolve to the point where they're able to better calculate who their ideal partner is. Yeah. And so perhaps they eventually, by the time they're like seniors, by the time they graduate, whatever, maybe they're able to calculate who their perfect mate is. <laughs> they can arrange their own marriages. <laughs> <laughs> totally emotionless. They're just like, you and I would be perfect. I agree. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And maybe that's what happened with yeah. Anya and Kolinar and Thufir. Yeah. Maybe Anya eventually as her skills improved, was able to look past her personal emotions and make the calculation that she actually didn't have a future with Thufir. Right. Or at least it wouldn't lead to the life she wanted. And maybe her perfect match was in fact Kolinar. Right. And so perhaps that's how that entire situation went down. Still, a, I'm not trying to like defend... Anya and Kolinar's actions here, still a bad look for neither of them to like be open and honest with Thufir, for Anya to just tell Thufir, hey, I have fallen out of love with you. I'm going to pursue other options, <laughs> etc. You know, there's a way to be communicative about that sure. and not break his art brutally. They're both like, do you have the same prime computation as me? That he's going to fucking flip out? Yeah, <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he's going to take this so badly? <laughs> let's yeah. just dip. Such a good point. Such a good point. There's a the fact that he took it so badly in the way it happened. Imagine the the worst way he may have taken it had he been confronted with it head on. You're absolutely correct. We don't know the details of what went down there, but sure. that, that's that's basically my answer to this question. Is there are one of two possibilities, and I think it's because of how intricate and complex mentat dating life may be. Yeah, I love that. the The idea of a prime computation you are or are not the one for me is like such a poignant thing. Like it's got to be complicated, as you said, to date between mentats, especially because they so often end up, oh, I didn't even fucking put together. Anya's out here, another female mentat. What the fuck? Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, dating between mentats got to be messy at times. But I also wanted to point out something that I couldn't stop thinking about because Anya is only the daughter of a Bene Gesserit and Thufir doesn't super acknowledge the distinction. He's like, I don't trust Bene Gesserit. Even though Anya wasn't identified to us as a Bene Gesserit sister or an adept, I think my sort of theory here is that Anya was either going to be a Bene Gesserit sister and like Reverend Mother and was just of secret rank going through Mentat training or the Bene Gesserit discovered the sisterhood, discovered something advantageous in Kolinar's genetic line, and was like, sorry, Anya, this is tough, but it's what you gotta do. You gotta get Kolinar's DNA. You gotta you gotta sleep with Kolinar, you gotta seduce him, you gotta get a kid from Kolinar. Right? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and then Kolinar, being a reasonable mentat, prime computation. Yeah, she's beautiful. Okay, I'll, I'll sleep with her. 
I can't fucking stay on Planet X. <laughs> like right. she right. leaves to give her kid to Wallach Nine, right? Or, or you know the the Benny Desert schools. She's gone. I can't hang out with Thufir now. Like that's not po- okay. So they both leave. Yeah. Damn. I think either they're together happily out, banging on Gamont or uh, you know whatever, doing their thing, or. Anya got what she needed from Kolinar and ditched him, kind of disappearing to uh, back to the Bene Gesserit fold as she once was. I don't know. That's that's kind of where my mind went. I love that. Because obviously we don't know the full story, as you said, of why Thufir took it so hard and why he's like women are incapable of fidelity. Right. And also we don't know why he so explicitly distrusts Bene Gesserit. So I feel like the Bene Gesserit thing is part of that. I also got to thinking it would be cool. Hey, those who know, know. You know the character Belanda? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if Anya's like a great, 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 great grandmother to Belanda? That would be cool. It would be cool. I love that you can't resist putting your tin hat on. I <laughs> never take it off. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. I just spray painted it hair colored. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path. Today on the show, our first girl, our first, did we say this date the first? <laughs> it was a thruple. Um. Listen, Gamjabar started <laughs> a long time ago. It was kind of a complicated era in our life. Right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, both of our first girlfriends left. A, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say our first yeah, girlfriends. Pluralize it. Pro- pluralize it. Right, right, right. Because you're so traditional, I guess. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I got to get with the polyamory times. Yeah, come on, dude. It's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's an ethical non-mugging or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>